It be too late to alter course, matey. And there be plundering pirates lurking in every cove. And mark well me words, matey. Dead men tell no tales. <laughs> the code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis from scottartis.com. And I'm Heather Artis from blackpearlminute.com. Thanks for joining us for Minute 88 of The Curse of the Black Pearl. I think it may have been last Friday, but Disney dropped a new character poster featuring Paul McCartney. Yep, it's a Pirates of the Caribbean Beatles mashup. I've been trying my best to avoid any big spoilers, so I haven't really gone out of my way to look up articles or details about his character, at least a lot of the characters in Dead Men Tell No Tales, but it hasn't been too successful since we've done a couple of bonus episodes. We've really tried to just go what's off of the trailers and not really dive too deep into it. So I've been trying to avoid some of the stuff, and I know that there's been some talk that Paul McCartney joined the cast, but... I assume that his role was probably more of a cameo or a small part. And one of our listeners, Cynthia, she's actually participates in the Cursed Listeners Crew Facebook group, likened him to this Edward T. kind of character, this role played by Keith Richards. Another one of our listeners, Spencer, really ended up saying, you know, this kind of whole Paul McCartney release or information, this debut of this poster and this article about him kind of signaled this red flag so he was kind of on the fence like you know where is this going how far deep are we going to go into just having some of these people show up in the film Mm. so he wasn't quite sure where it was going but he just said you know it's kind of on the verge of a red flag or it could be depending on how far this really goes you know he's just what are we going to expect with this really just with the film right and Unfortunately, while I was doing a bit of research, I did spoil things for myself. Now, of course, this could be just a placeholder to hide his real identity. But from what I saw on the IMDb page, I'll just say that those who were afraid McCartney was taking on a prominent role in the film and that this was a red flag for the movie will probably be happy. And then there's those who wanted to see an appearance by another epic musician in the movie will be happy. So I don't want to give it away. If you want to really see who his character is, go over to the IMDb page and look up Dead Men Tell No Tales cast, and and he's on there. And you can go from there. So if you're interested in that, do that. But I won't necessarily spoil it because it has he really hasn't released much information. There were some articles about it, and it's been kind of kept a secret, but not so much that his name and character weren't on the cast credits for that particular movie. And like I said, I don't know if they're just kind of hiding it in there right now and then they'll have a different character come out. But as of right now, you can go check it out and see what it says as of this week. And then you can go from there. Awesome. And obviously, of course, we won't really know until the movie lands on the big screen. So there we go, right? Yep. Since it has been a hard day's night and I love me do some pirate action, let's get this minute breakdown underway. What? That's the... Did you even understand any of those references? It's been a hard day's night. Yeah. Okay. I can't believe you actually got it, but you're looking at me like, what was going on there? I was wondering why we're bringing in 50s, 60s songs. You don't know who sings those? Paul Paul McCartney. The Beatles. That's why I said it. 
Now you're wondering, you're still wondering why I brought those in? No. Are you still wondering why? No. Really? Yes. Have you heard of the Beatles? No. Oh, you yes. haven't? See, there you go. She hasn't heard of the Beatles. They're a little known group from the 60s, 70s. Some people have heard of them. They're not very, they're not really a big deal. Only if you're really like hardcore into music have you heard of them. So like I said, let's get underway. In the previous minute, the power of utensils and alcohol is on full display as a cannon blasted trinkets opens the very cell door imprisoning Captain Jack Sparrow. The motley crew stay the, we have no ideas course, and turn to the great historical sea dog, Elizabeth Swan, for their next strategic move. Unfortunately, the well is dry and Gibbs is forced to evoke the mother of all options, the devil's dowry suggestion, which is almost as good as turning on your shipmates Anna Maria style. Meanwhile, the cursed blooming cockroaches crew, under the command of Captain Barbosa, grab the grapnels and load the chain shot as they prepare to board. Minute 88 begins with Will Turner still searching for the rogue medallion below deck. Pintel and Rigetti light the fuse, setting off a blast, plume of smoke, and chain shot which strikes the wooden mass target of the interceptor, effectively snapping it in two. Simultaneously, a cannon explosion breaks through the hull, forcing Will to the ground. The minute ends with a now trapped, It's a trap! Will yelling for help as the grapnels are lobbed from the Black Pearl to the interceptor. The crew uses ropes and rigging to swing over to the opposing ship's deck, and the motley crew engage the invading buccaneers with swivel cannon fire and muskets in an attempt to quash the boarding. Hey, did you happen to notice all of Ariel's collection of her dinglehoppers and her thingamabobs littering the side of the Black Pearl? What the hell? <laughs> Were you even speaking English there? What is this? <laughs> Seriously. You know Ariel from Little Mermaid? Yeah. Okay. The side of the Black Pearl is littered with her collection of her dinglehoppers and her thingamabobs. Well, I wish I could say that I remember Little Mermaid, but I don't. Oh, guess we need to watch it then. No, we're not watching it. This isn't Little Mermaid Minute, so we can't watch it. By so they Pirate must, Code of the Brethren, we're not allowed to watch that movie. They must be fighting right above her cave that includes all her collections. How did it. you see all this? What is? What are we talking about here? <laughs> Ariel has that cave with her collections. Yeah. She collects all human items. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So Dinglehoppers yeah. are the forks. Ah, okay. Okay, and thingamabobs are spoons. Well, see, I needed to know that. I didn't have any clue. <laughs> that would have been good information. Because she's got... That's probably where they got it from. They probably loaded all that stuff up. Probably. They probably They're sent fighting down... right above her cave. No, then it's all right there. Maybe she's helping them out. Maybe. See, there you go. Actually, now that I think about it, there is a mermaid connection later on in the movies. Exactly. It's possible. Did we just have another Disney tie-in reference? You'll have to stay tuned for a couple years from now when we actually get to, (laughs) what, on Stranger Tides, actually, when we deal with mermaids. So just sit tight. If you're not interested in this, but only on Stranger Tides, just put the podcast on pause and plop down on the couch with a couple hundred gallons of water, (laughs) other drinks, some food, all that other stuff, and just sit there and eventually we'll get there. There is a first time for everything, and I do have to say that. And it's not that you just jumped in and completely confused me with some crazy (laughs) language. I thought you actually did like a Google Translate because you were so jealous of my Chinese speaking abilities from a couple episodes ago that you just had to come up with your own. But 
After almost 90 episodes, I was fighting the odds and it was bound to happen that I might actually be wrong and mispronounce something. I know most of you thought this day would never happen and I let you down. Kohler? How dare you? (laughs) There are rumors and you may even hear people say things like I believe he mispronounced something before, maybe even got something wrong, but my friends... That is surely the stuff of pirate legend. Uh So what I am talking about, yeah, at any rate, Heather already spoiled it. In this particular minute, Barbosa says the name Kohler, which I may have been saying Keeler, possibly. Not going to say anything. I'm not going to incriminate myself. I'll plead the fifth, but I will hang my head in shame on this. (laughs) Now that I got that out of the way, I think we can actually go back to my usual awesomeness, almost being perfect, and my (laughs) humble self. Oh, yeah, sure. So all ego-boosting email may be sent directly to my attention. And as we all know, all hate mail goes to Heather. So that's how that typically works here. But yeah, Kohler and Keeler. How can you even mess that up? Oh, in his name. There's an E there. Trust me, it's Keeler. (laughs) But they say Kohler. I have to go with how they say it. They've established it. (laughs) Because they just tricked me on that after this long con that they perpetrated on me. I mean, 88 minutes you've been calling him Keeler. It's not like he was in every freaking single episode, you moron. (laughs) Excuse (laughs) you. Yeah, I'm a little touchy about this. I may have gotten something wrong and now you're calling me out on it and saying like it was in every episode I was saying this. How dare you? We're 88 minutes minutes into the movie and you just realized you've been pronouncing his name incorrectly the whole time. Barbosa just said it for the first time. (laughs) How dare you? Seriously. You know I'm going to insert something there, like walk the plank. I send you to the deep. And because they actually did that to me, I, I now have to call something Because they did out. it to yeah, you? Yeah, they did it to me. It appears we have ourselves another movie cliche alert. And I know what you're all thinking. Yes, he's never wrong. So yeah. obviously the writers and directors perpetrated a cliche on the audience for a reason. And you're right. But there's nothing wrong with the formula. I think it actually works in this particular scene. By trapping Will? Not trapping Will. I think it fits with the character. Not trapping Will. That's not a cliche. Mm. An Andy Griffith cliche trapped in the mind. Okay, we're not going to go there. When Pentel and Rigetti fire the chain shot and cut the interceptor's mast in two, the falling timber and the canvas come down on the deck of the Pearl, right? Yes. Every one of the cursed crew members scramble to avoid being crushed by this falling piece of lumber. Except Barbosa and Captain Monkey. That's right. So Barbosa walks forward kind of in this unflinching strut. Yes. And he just clears all the chaos. And it's this idea that there's a steadfast looking captain or leader that says, I'm going to look death right in the face and I'm not going to have any issue with it. That's the whole idea. My, my thoughts, Barbosa can't die. Well, so he didn't care. You still don't want to get crushed. We know that they have feelings. Do you really want to get logged on? <laughs> Not really, but it wouldn't kill him. I Well, okay, it wouldn't kill him. It could make him five or six feet shorter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the guy could pancake it. And then I don't, you know, then he has to wait till he, you know, comes back. That'd be pretty brutal. And neither one of them seemed to even flinch. The monkey didn't even move. No, so that's what I'm saying. The cliche is that the captain or the general or whatever leader you want to insert here, you know, insert X here. Scott? Rem- yeah, well, I've, I thank you for that, actually. Yes. <laughs> actually, I want to move you over a few feet. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> 
What is going on here? Out of, out, of, out of danger. No, that's not what you meant. You wanted me to just get crushed by falling luck. Seriously, you guys, this is a record. If I end up dead, would you please just say, you know, maybe you should look into this. Really? We're yeah. going to go here. Yeah, we're going to go there. I am always really nice and just like a comforting soul. And you are just brutal. I think there's stuff on here that you said many minutes ago. I don't think there's any examples that of that. if I disappeared, they would be looking for you. No. Hell yeah. But the cliche like I was going is that you can insert whatever leader you want there. And they remain unflinching during battle while the rest of the men or the crew duck for cover or get out of the way. I think it's safe to say that we have pretty much all seen this in just a, probably a lot of movies. This is usually one that pops up in war movies quite a bit, typically, that you see this kind of whole idea. And two come immediately to my mind. And the first is Mel Gibson in We Were Soldiers. So he's standing there as bullets whiz by from Viet Cong while his men are grabbing dirt and getting out of the way. And he's just standing there yelling them, giving orders and that kind of stuff. And then we have a second one. It's kind of like a, Ro- a Robert Duvall moment in Apocalypse Now. And I guess it's kind of pretty much the same thing. There's some gunfire and stuff like that. And the other guys around him are hiding and get, taking cover. And he's just standing there like nothing's going to happen. When you say grabbing dirt, yeah. you mean going to the ground. That's right. Did you like that? <laughs> That's my pirate word of the week. It's like, what? <laughs> hey. It's all about uh, coming up with new language. What do you mean? You're the one who said dingle hoppers and doobie haws. No. Dingle hoppers and thingamabobs. Thingamabobs. Okay. So you're complaining because I said grabbing dirt? At least dingle hoppers and thingamabobs were, well, this could be in the movie also. There you go. That's what I thought. I'm sure if we all tried really hard, we could actually come up with more examples of this. And maybe you guys are thinking of some out there right now. It's the idea that the fearless leader in the heat of battle... Uh, just doesn't have any fear. doesn't show any fear. It's that whole cliche. And it happens here in Pirates of the Caribbean. Because he shows no fear and he's confident he doesn't get crushed. That and he's showing that to his men. Like, hey, I'm not afraid. You guys aren't either. We have a job to do. Let's get it done. They were afraid. They were jumping out of the way. That's because they didn't want to get pancaked. As much as Jeffrey Rush is dedicated to the Barbosa role, he did not actually have to risk his life or the stuntman's life for... The falling mast shot. And that, this is exactly why the monkey actually doesn't flinch either. So this was a split take. The first with the falling mast. And then they filmed a second one with Barbosa walking to his mark with the monkey on his shoulder. So Verbinski then merged the two shots for a seamless pirate action sequence that we see in the final product. Movie magic, I tell you. There you go. I'm not sure if I have anything really to add to this particular comment. And it's not on the last one because obviously I said all I needed to say. I really just lacked a transition there as I was moving on. (laughs) (laughs) So this my seamless transition is to say that there was a transition and it wasn't very seamless. I don't think that really worked very well. But we have beat to death this idea that this really isn't a documentary. Surprise to all of you out there. Pirates of the Caribbean is not a documentary. But it's a movie that gives us the pirate movie we wanted with all the cliches. The buried treasures, that kind of stuff. We talked about it. Yada, yada, yada. We have a fun swashbuckler. It's called Pirates of the Caribbean. Welcome to the movie, guys. Right? But one of the writers, either Ted Elliott or Terry Rossi, and I don't recall which one now, said that this Pearl Interceptor High Seas battle that we're seeing here, all of this, and here's where the quote comes in, is a depiction of the accurate description of the romantic imagery of pirates. And I just love it. I thought that this is so much more poetic than what we've been saying all along. Like, this is the movie that 
people wanted. Yeah. Not a documentary. And then they come in with an accurate, a depiction of the accurate description of the romantic imagery of pirates. Those bastages. <laughs> How dare they upstage me? But seriously, part of all the fun of pirate movies and why the audiences enjoy them is that we do see that accurate description of the romantic image of pirates and what we've come to love about pirates. Yes. That's probably why we don't love Somali pirates, you know? Because <laughs> they don't act like this. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and there's something that's real life happening right now. It's probably also a big factor in it. Real life yeah. pirates right now is a whole different story than pirates a couple hundred years ago. Because yeah. there's not real lives that you know or that you see on the news happening. Exactly. Way to bring it down now. We're That's such a good you high note. And then you just brought it down to reality and it's just you, a bummer. You do it's like this you all see, the time. This is your, this is what happened. You just basically, what I'm going to call now for our show, sea turtled it. And it's not the sea turtle of like this daring escape that Pirates of the Caribbean franchise talks about sea turtled. Our sea turtled is Heather bringing up, yeah, sea turtles were turned on their backs and butchered on board <laughs> ships to feed the crew. Wah, wah, wah. That's what I have to say about that. Well, I have to say is you scotted it. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> This is this is like from the office when Andy says Dwight Schrute and he shrewded it and he's trying to do something. How dare you? Because of that, because you just did that, I have to subject you to more monkey captain hypothesis information. So I hope you're happy about that. Actually, oh, I know why. I know why. No, you don't know why. I know why. Okay, why? Because he's the first to board the Interceptor. Yeah, but this is my problem. I'm not sure what to say about this. I mean, I have hit a snag in this monkey captain hypothesis. Why? Because I'm sorry to say, but Barbosa orders his crew to find the medallion. Actually, I think he says something like, bring me that medallion or something to that effect, right? Bring me the medallion. Okay, bring me the medallion. Sorry, and the I rest got... of you, bring me the medallion. Okay, there. There we go. Thanks for highlighting that didn't i say something like that that it would cover all that anyway you said you wanted to know the important part is that the monkey takes off immediately as if obeying barbosa's orders yep what is going on here is it possible the monkey is not really in charge of the black pearl yeah you know he does take off and he's the first one onto onto the interceptor yeah that's like an eager crew member hoping to oh, please yeah. the captain damn it to hell yeah I think you're Captain Monkey. How dare you? I, I'm not Hypothesis willing. Hypothesis is now gone. I'm not going to take a moment of silence for the Monkey Captain hypothesis because I'm not willing to give up the theory just yet. So I'm going to He's assume. He's orders. I said I'm going to assume for now that the Monkey realized the cursed crew weren't going to get the job done. Last time he relied on the crew, they brought the wrong person for the blood repaid part of the curse, right? They did bring the medallion though. Okay, one part of it. So to do something right, sometimes you have to do stuff yourself. And maybe that's what's happening here. The monkey whispered the orders to Barbosa. He yelled it to the crew. And then he ran off. He's like, well, these idiots aren't going to be able to do that. So he went off to do it. That's my only explanation I have right now. I have a lot of data points for the monkey captain hypothesis. And only one that's refuting it right now. So it's not quite enough for me to get rid of it. But if there's another piece that comes up, I'm, I may have to send this to Davy Jones's locker. And I'm a little bit frightened of that. Now, if we go back to the cave, the monkey captain is standing watch. Is that really Captain Duty? He wasn't standing watch. Yeah, he was standing He watch. was on the gold. He was just looking at his gold. He's counting his coins, basically. But then he's, he's watching for 
We're in minute 88 here. There's no rehashing. You should have brought that up in the past because that still stands. You were talking monkey captain then. Yeah, I was. I don't think so. It was. It just wasn't a lot. It just happens to come up lately because there's so a much lately? monkey action. There's a lot of monkey action going on. Okay. Since this is really an episodes of first when it comes to some other things that I mentioned in the beginning that we'll never mention again. We'll just call them like the Voldemort of Scott's. 88 minutes or something, you know, that we will not, it's, it's the corrections that shall not be named or something like that. And I know what you're thinking that I already made one correction. You got another one? How dare you just jump to conclusions? (laughs) After all, this is a minute by minute show. So I didn't have all the details at the time and things are updated as new information comes to light. So I just wanted to preface that. But I originally praised the apparent damage to the ships while poking a bit of fun at Cutthroat Island's lack of cannonball destruction on the ships. Remember that? Yeah. I was Considering it was a couple days ago? Yeah, and I went so far as to not even name it. I just, you know, it rhymed with Muttthroat Island. Anyways, there's a scene where we see both the Pearl and the Interceptor from a point between the ships, right? You can kind of see yeah. between the ships. And I'm sorry to have to report, but I did not see any holes in these. The holes in the hull that I wanted to see. Splintered wood? No. Other damage to the hulls? No. Any to the ships on the hull? No. On deck and the rails? Yes. On the hulls? No. (laughs) It might be possible the realism was suspended as the way the cannons are lined up and the proximity between the ships. There should have been some evidence of crazy damage. Actually, I'll settle for any damage that I would see down there. Not on the decks or the railing area, but down below where the cannon ports are and stuff. I didn't see anything. But I guess I'm going to have to let this go since we do get a broken falling mast. And that's okay. We see inside damage. You know, we see inside damage. There's cannonballs coming through holes and things like that. You know, walls. Jack and Will. Right. But... The facades of the ship in this very brief shot is revealing when it comes to a lack of damage or lack of no damage. I think it was So let's just move the... along, folks. Nothing to see here. Literally nothing to freaking see here. You were saying? I think it was just the camera shot. You just couldn't see. Because obviously there was damage inside. We are. That's some weird cannonball action. Maybe the cannonballs are cursed and they actually float through the walls and then explode after they get inside. Maybe. I thought I would also touch on a couple of fancy pirate and military terms, but unlike you made Eagle me do... Hopper? I that's it. Unlike you made me do previously, I wanted to get these done now. But they're not in this minute. Yeah, they are in this minute. I wanted to get some out of the way now, then at the end, like you had done before. So we had to end on actually... Dictionary 101. Thank you for listening <laughs> to this podcast. Here's some pirate terms. So I thought I'd do that now, so we didn't have that idiotic ending of... Wow, that was a riveting show until he just left us with a couple of pirate words or defining terms and definitions. What is this show? You know, the last thing they remember is not all the good stuff that came before that. They just remember, yeah, he was just talking about some pirate words. No, that's not it. So we're going to do it now. That way then we can move to something else and then end on that note. And then people will remember that and go, you know, I really did learn something. But I don't know what it was. But he was really talking about that monkey captain hypothesis. And it was awesome. Blunderbuss. Blunderbuss. Do you know what that is? Do you know what a blunderbuss is? It's not like a big bus either. I'll give you that term. You didn't see any buses there, so you know it's not that. No. They didn't say anything about a blunderbuss. Yeah, I'm like... Oh, you needed it written out? I couldn't just come up with something? It's... Yes, you can come up with something. That's right. It must be a gun gun of some sort. 
It is. The blunderbuss is a muzzle-loading firearm with a short, large-caliber barrel, which is flared at the muzzle and frequently oh, okay. throughout the entire bore. Oh, I know what no. you're talking about, yeah. And it's used with shot and other projectiles, so you could actually load it with shot or Silver? similar to yeah, what dingle they were hoppers. Doing. Yes, exactly. But you wouldn't really want to put those kinds of large. You'd want to put something that's more appropriate to the barrel in there. It's not like you're walking around with a giant cannon. The blunderbuss could be considered to be an early form of the shotgun, which was often adapted to military and defensive use. It was effective at short ranges, but lacked accuracy for targets at long range. And a blunderbuss in handgun form was called a dragon. So how awesome is that? Right? That's pretty cool. You bet your ass that's Who was cool. shooting the blunderbuss? One of the cursed... No, uh... Dang it. I, I forgot now. I got so excited just to see the blunderbuss action. But it may have been one of the... That's a good question. It may have been one of the Motley crew guys firing it onto the Pearl. Okay. If I recall. Now I have to look it up and we'll get mail. And now you just may have made me have an error on this show that I'll have to do another freaking correction. That's why I'm going to leave it open. I don't remember. For those of you who may not know what we're talking about, these are actually common in kind of these old school cartoons, if you've ever seen those. And typically it's kind of with pilgrims or pilgrim stories or something. It's those guns that had kind of that flared end of the barrel look kind of like a funnel. They've obviously over-exaggerated it, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I do. If Heather knows what I'm talking about... Then you guys should all know what I'm talking about. She's like the litmus Kind of like test. a bell bottom. Yeah. If you were to hold it straight down. That's right. It's a weird example to have when I said funnel. Because <laughs> she always likes to come up with another example. Mine was perfectly good because hey, it looks like a funnel. in case people don't know what a funnel is. Okay. Maybe they thought I was talking about a funnel cake. Exactly. They're like, oh, that's weird to have a cake-shaped gun. No. So, yeah. That's what it is. There you go. The other one is Powder Magazine, and I know you were curious as to why they call it a magazine. Yes. Did you happen to look it up? No. How dare you? You just say it, and then you, oh, I wonder, why is that? That's weird. So anyways, a powder magazine is actually a building designed to store the explosive gunpowder in wooden barrels for safety. Oh, really? It's a building, huh? Yeah, so gunpowder until, well, a building or a room. Until superseded, you know, gunpowder at the time was everywhere, if you will, for that kind of stuff. But until it was, say, replaced for other incendiaries, was a universal explosive used in the military and for civil engineering. Both applications required storage magazines. Most magazines were purely functional and tended to be in remote and secure locations for obvious reasons. You don't want them blowing up. That's right. And actually, you can think of it out here. In, we're in the San Francisco Bay Area. And there are there's an East Shore Park out here. It's called Point Pinole. Yes. And they have actually this East Shore Park before it was taken over. But it was actually a, I think it was some kind of operation where they were doing some mining and stuff or some resource and stuff. But they also were product, I think they were maybe producing TNT or they were storing a lot of like TNT and dynamite and stuff for their mining operations and things like that. I don't remember the whole exact story, but anyways, they had these magazines that were located out there. And what they did is they planted a ton of eucalyptus trees that would surround. So there's this huge eucalyptus forest. And the idea was, is that these magazines are where they're storing all this dynamite and the stuff, these explosives. They were kind of contained within this forest. So if the exploded, that these, all these eucalyptus trees would help block the explosion Mm. and contain it. Kind of the idea for a powder magazine. Except when it's on board a ship, you really don't have anywhere to put it. And why they call it a magazine? Because the word magazine is a name for an item or place within which ammunition or other explosive material is stored. It is taken originally from the Arabic word makazen, meaning building or storeroom. Huh. 
So there you go. Now Very you know. Very interesting. Now that we got all those terms out of the way, we can get back to some real action. Pirate action. That yeah, is. pirate action. Pirate swinging action is where I was going. And oh, I mean that there is a little flaw here, but besides the mast, we do make up for things in this minute with a really great shot of the cursed crew. So I'm not going to talk just swinging just yet, but I did want to mention that the cursed crew. They're lined up on the rails of the Black Pearl, and they're all overlooking or looking at the Interceptor. And I right. just thought it was really a great shot. With to their see. grapple hooks? Yeah, before they throw it, they're all yeah. just lined up along the whole side of the ship. And I thought that was just a really intense, cool scene of this is the impending. It's like the black flag flying. It's the intimidation. They're all lined yeah. up, ready to go. They're yelling, and they're Arr! just sitting there watching. Yeah, it's really cool. Showing their nasty teeth. Arr! That's right. And other than that, I just don't know what I really like about it, but I just love the the look and the idea about it. Did you notice that the Interceptor sails are looking like the Black Pearl sails? Yeah, they've had holes in it, so at least there's some damage there. Aha, cutthroat island, we have one up on you. <laughs> and we have some grappling hooks that are starting now. Okay, then after they're done looking and at this kind of photo shoot moment, we have the grappling hooks lobbing over and catching the rails and the rigging of the Interceptor. Then we have pirates swinging on ropes, which is most definitely a pirate movie cliche alert. Yes. I was just going to really let that one slide in favor of getting some historical accuracy on the pirate swinging from ship to ship, as opposed to just calling out another movie cliche. What do you think? Okay. Damn right it's okay. <laughs> Unfortunately, they did not swing from ship to ship. And sorry to burst everybody's bubbles out there, but this does appear to be a Hollywood myth, according to Benerson Little. And he is the author of The Golden Age of Piracy. He thinks Hollywood was inspired from a line in Fenmore Cooper's The Red Rover, a tale, in which a pirate captain swings from the poop deck to quell a mutiny below. Or, his other idea is that maybe it was just some of the creative juices flowing from a director in an early mm. swashbuckler movie. So he's not quite sure exactly where it derived from. So did they use gangplanks to go from well, they did, ship to ship? Well, they did do that, but here's, here's what I really have. Okay. The idea of what actually really happened. Pirates leap from their forecastle, and the forecastle is the upper deck of a sailing ship forward of the foremast, or could be the forward part of a ship with the sailor's living quarters. So that there you go. That's kind of the idea. And they would leap from that forecastle to the other ship, often from the forechains to the enemy's main chains, with a brave soul or two leaping from the cat head, and the cat head is a large wooden beam located on either side of the bow of, the, of a sailing ship and angled forward at roughly 45 degrees. And the beam is used to support the ship's anchor. This is where we see Will and Jack when they steal the interceptor. Remember, yeah. they swing on over. So that's yeah. where they were. They were on that cat head in the okay. beginning. So you, that gives you kind of a general location because that's right where the anchors were. So that the idea is that they would leap from the cat head and then onto the waist between the forecastle and quarter deck. First tossing grenades and fire pots aboard to maim or kill as many defenders as possible. If crewmen were still on deck when the boarding was happening, it was really a hand-to-hand -hand bloody melee. Pistols cracking, filling the air with smoke, and cutlasses swinging, cleaving ears from heads, and sometimes heads from torsos. Now that's what I call that's one bloody ending. Yeah. Happy Tuesday, everyone. That that's how you're ending? Is the reality of a pirate hand-to-hand -hand combat melee as they go from one ship to the other. Ain't that sweet? Swinging is a little more mellow. Swinging is a little more mellow, but they're still going on board and then doing their Well, yeah, their but it, they're not. Yeah, but who wants to just end with, yeah, and they swung over and then they said, howdy doody. Howdy, howdy doody, doody, guys. 
Or they could come on over and I could describe uh, grenades and ear choppings. Oh, a little off the top, sir? Why, yes, thank you. And there goes his head. Off with their his, heads. His head was... His head was... Cap- no, no, no. His capo was detated. His capo was detated from his head. An office reference again. Boy, we're on an office reference roll today. So that's what I have for today. Minute 88 in all its fine glory. Hope you all sleep good tonight. <laughs> Actually, I ended with that. So nobody would remember that I had a couple corrections in there. Oh, okay. Now so I people just But go, now Jesus. you're telling everybody you had oh, corrections. So they all remember. And they would fill the air with smoke <laughs> and cutlasses swinging. Cleaving ears and heads, and sometimes heads, from their torsos. Now we can end. There you go. Oh, happy Tuesday, everyone. I forgot about that. We wanted to do that again. So that's all I got. Anything so what's else a dingle hopper? Forks. Forks. Are we ready to go? Or are you just going to gonna go. start quizzing me on your no, we're good. aerial Little Mermaid stuff? <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow with Minute 89 of The Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Until then, let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. Scott, go watch Little Mermaid. What's that, Banjo? Heather's been drinking at the Faithful Bride Tavern? Take me to her, buddy. Blimey! Passed out in the mud with the pigs? Again? This sty is your second home. Heather, wake up! The show's done and you're supposed to tell everyone where they can find us, where the after party is, and how their voicemail may be featured on the show. Banjo, get me a bucket. Hey, Scallywags, while Banjo's getting some water to wake up Heather, it's time I say thanks for listening. If you like the show, give us a review on iTunes. It helps us out, and we greatly appreciate it. Have a question or comment? Give us a call at 8637-PIRATE. We just might play your voicemail on the show. You can also give us a shout at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. And don't forget to join the post-episode brawls on Facebook and Twitter. If you're interested in our best-of clips, you can find us on SoundCloud. All the links are at blackpearlminute.com. It's that easy.